now. This is Box to Box with Rob Gilbert and Michael Edgley. Oh, what a goal! For Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. Absolutely fantastic! Hello and welcome to Box to Box, the show that is everything football on Macquarie Radio, NTS News Talk Sport. You're with Rob Gilbert and Mike Ledgley. First edition news with Mark Van Aken in a minute, but after a week of drama with the national side last week, reality bites. And we're now down to the hard work of qualifying for next year's World Cup in Russia the hard way. First up, with a home and away tie against Syria, before hopefully an even more difficult task against the fourth place CONCACAF nation to background us on our opponents. The Kasun Eagles specialist, Asian football journalist Alan Matasha joins us to open the show before we chat to Alex Wilkinson on Sydney FC season ahead and their convincing result against Melbourne City in the FFA Cup quarterfinals this week. And of course, we'll wrap up the first hour, as we always do with our mate Dean Hennessy, to talk through both FFA Cups and a look ahead at the A-League season just three weeks away in the second hour, of course, we'll kick off with second edition news. Then with the groundbreaking pay deal for the W League ratified this week, we'll chat to former Matilda's captain and current PFA player relations executive Kate Gill. Then Dino will look through all the international scene with what a big Champions League week it's been and we'll wrap it up with stoppage time. Edge, bumper week. Um, Alan Matash is going to talk to us about um, Syria... Uh, your boys had a rough week, Heidelberg. I know you're going to rant about that later in this hour, but um, yeah, what's uh, what's been catching your attention? Well, good afternoon, listeners right around Australia on Macquarie Radio's News Talk Sport NTS, and uh, Rob, to you, hello, Malacca. Mm. I th- we've heard all those before. Mm-hmm. Okay, move on. Yeah, We're what? just looking forward to uh, Syria playing Australia in Malacca in Malaysia, which is a mm-hmm. fantastic destination. Looking forward to that. Uh, mm. We'll obviously be over there. Um, and as you said in your opener, it's going to be a long, mm. hard road for the Socceroos, and it starts in Malacca on mm. the 5th of October before we return to Sydney in the home and away leg. Mm-hmm. Uh, interesting, um, right off the top, I'm going to break some news because Mark hasn't got it in his rundown, but the Saudi Arabian Football Federation have sacked Bert Van Marek overnight, which is really quite an interesting news mm. uh, because he wouldn't live in Saudi Arabia full-time. He declined to do that, so they've sacked mm. him after he led them to the World Cup. Isn't that interesting? That's what we did with Holger Rossing, mm-hmm. isn't it? Should we get him for Australia? No. Hello, yes. Mark. No, sorry. No, we shouldn't. No. How are we going? Yeah, look, you, well, you, sort of, you sound Mark. like you want to sort of expand on your opinion. So um, expand. No, he's, no. Why, why, why Mike? Why? Well, he got him through to the uh, got him through to the World Cup without any problems uh, through a very sticky group over the top of Australia. How's that? You make you, you get your nation through to the World Cup that you're coaching, and then they boot you because you don't live in uh, the desert. Yeah, Hale Hozic uh, with Japan is uh, doesn't exactly have a vice-like grip on the Japan job. I wouldn't be surprised if he got uh, replaced before they got to the World Cup. So, um, well, what coach does, as uh, as the adage famously goes, there are two kinds of coaches, aren't there? There are coaches that are, have been sacked and coaches <laughs> that are about to be sacked. So, well, nah, for sure. Yeah, you, there's, you, you've never even even when you've won the World Cup, you're not safe. So, uh, uh, but look, it doesn't surprise that, that that sort of thing would happen. But there's been for those people who've been following the whole uh, the, the whole 
debacle around where the game against Syria was going to be played. Mm-hmm. I'm really looking forward to speaking to Alan Mitashar because there was a whole heap of toing and froing within the Syrian FA. The mm-hmm. AFC was going to be in... Originally, they booked at Malacca six weeks ago as a bit of a contingency, and then it was mm-hmm. going to be in Doha, then it was going to be in Amman in Jordan, mm-hmm. then it was going to be in Muscat in Amman, and all of a sudden it's back. So they were trying to get it closer to the Middle East to give the I think they Syrian might have been just trying to, to travel, make though. things difficult for everybody other than themselves. Yeah, exactly. To so be the fair, their, ca- their country's going through a few issues at the moment. They have got an issue yes. or two. Yes. Yeah, anyway, so as Michael has touched on, Malaysia's Hang Jabat Stadium has been confirmed as the host venue for the Socceroos Regional Playoff. Uh, first league against Syria on the 5th of October. After some meddling, again, as we've touched on, the Malacca venue was... I, I, sorry, as a South Melbourne fan, I just can't get used to that. But anyway, the Malacca venue was eventually set in stone as the arena that hosts the crucial game. Um, FFA confirmed this, of course, midweek. The, the game will kick off at 8pm local time, 11pm Eastern Abu Dhabi. looked set, as Michael touched on, to be revealed as the host city for the game. But was struck out due to visa issues. Now... Why, why the visa issues? Well, I understand that uh, Syrian nationals, it uh, takes three weeks for a visa to be approved to go to the UAE or Qatar, which uh, effectively ruled out those options. They wouldn't relax uh, those rules. And for obvious reasons, it's a, it's a security issue. But in Malaysia, uh, Syrian nationals do not need a visa. They can go there without uh, getting a visa. And that was the reason that... Uh, They've been playing in Malaysia, in Malaysia is effectively that reason. Is it also because the AFC are based in Malaysia? Is that another reason or no? Oh, nothing I mean, if, if you read some of the reports that Malaysia is uh, a fast-moving um, uh, player in the Islamic world in, in relation to a business centre and a hub, and uh, they see this, uh, you know, hosting the Syria games is a bit of an extension of that. So it's more government support for, for these matches rather than the AFC. And let's face it, Malaysia is a hotspot for Australian tourists, so Green and Gold Army hat on. It's, yeah, it's actually great yeah. for us, for well, Australians. Malacca is a beautiful old historic town. It uh, it once was the uh, you know the the most significant port in that region until sort of Singapore developed. So <clears throat> it is a beautiful uh, tourist destination, fantastic hotels and beaches, and what a great way to combine your passion for the Socceroos. But so this uh, sounds like hang a, out on the uh, beach. A bit of an opportunity to call out to our listeners if you want to head to yes. Malaysia to <laughs> get in touch with the Green and Gold Army. And uh, only one and place to go. Gatravel.com.au. Absolutely, and, and, the and the food in Malaysia is outstanding. I mean, if you like Asian food, yeah, oh, it they've, get they've much got chilies over there. They've got TGI Fridays. It's great. <laughs> get on, yeah. No, they've got. <laughs> and those people who know oh, their mate, travel destinations. Nothing like a seafood mee goreng. That's right, fantastic. No, but those people who know their tourism destinations, Rob mm. would would understand that yeah. uh, the old city of Malacca is a UNESCO World Heritage Site. So. When that gets a bit of a when when, it, when that's a stamp that you know there's something good to look at. Mm-hmm. And again, for our listeners, it's only 150 less than 150 k's from KL. It correct? is, yeah. It's only yeah. an hour and a half in the in the bus down from KL to Malacca. Yeah, which is it's about the same distance to, to the airport in KL. From Pretty the city. Much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, for uh, those who don't know the acronym, of course, KL is Kuala Lumpur. Kuala Lumpur. Uh, no. So, no, moving right along. We, part, we, part of my honeymoon was there, Rob, but I will move on. That's fine. Well, not, not everyone breaking news is aware that um, that your honeymoon was in Malaysia. Uh, in fact, your entire box to box crew just found out. So, <laughs> get on with it. Anyway, now this is, this is interesting. Sorrento FC striker Sean Canham is in need of assistance, folks, to cover his medical bills. Canham, a school teacher by day, was found. Just before halftime in the Gulls 4-1 FFA Cup defeat against my boys, South Melbourne, three weeks ago. And, of course, he got sent off for that. The referee might have 
have to have a good hard look. Um, after the game, manager Jamie Jamie Harnwell, of course, very familiar to all of us, confirmed Canham had ruptured his Achilles and was facing six to nine months on the sidelines. He's since been uh, sidelined with surgery, but he's facing. Sorry, he's facing. So, what's going on with insurance there? I mean, this sounds like a walk-up start. I, yeah, I, I don't think I he's got great my ins- ACL playing indoor football uh, a few years ago, and the the venue that I was playing had covered the insurance. Uh, uh, what's going on here? Well, not much, <laughs> it would appear. So, his teammate James Morgan has set up a GoFundMe page in order to help Canham pay these costs. So, he's missed work. Mm. Obviously, miss football. Oh, look, yeah, look, he's a school teacher and he's getting married again soon. So, look, you know, in terms of that, you know, injuries happen in life, but I'm, I'm more concerned about the insurance issue uh, playing in a, in a league of the standard of the FFA Cup. That uh, you would have thought, yeah, yeah. That, that that's where um, the, the real story lies. Well, we should investigate, but uh, as it stands, he's uh, out of work, uh, can't go to work, needs some money. Right. So get on we'll that GoFundMe page. page. All right. Yes. Now, Sydney FC, they were too strong. We're going to talk about that later with Dino in the FFA Cup. Of course. Too good for Melbourne City at Leichhardt Oval, one of your old stomping grounds. Yeah, exactly. And I noticed that they had the cameras set up uh, in a different angle. It took a little bit of time to get used to it because they obviously... Uh, <laughs> Usually on the grandstand, yeah. Well, that's right. It's on the grandstand and you're looking over at the hill. But on this occasion, clearly, they somebody at um, the FFA and, and at Fox Sports' clever uh, move was to get the cameras on the other side to, to make it look more like a... a football stadium has anyone rob ever asked why the ground's not oval shaped yeah well you just did so why mark is <laughs> the not ground oval. not oval shaped i love the ground it's yeah. a one, one of my on my bucket list is to go to a bellman game or sorry a west's tigers game yeah, yeah. Oh, it's great i but remember going there as a boy Fairfield patrician brothers boy going to watch the commonwealth bank cup on wednesday nights we'd take the school band along and fairfield would uh, generally win my brothers uh, would often be in the side while i was in the twos but uh, <laughs> we'd stick around and watch the first play afterwards it was a lot of fun back in those days anyway boys in related news sydney fc coach graham arnold sent out ominous sent an ominous warning rather to the rest of the comp suggesting mitch jeski Adrian Majewski. Yeah, Majewski. Uh, was operating at less than a third no, of his potential. Dino wants to talk about uh, him. He he just loves Majewski. Dino's been and, pumping him up for weeks. Yeah, yeah. How good was he? How does Dino I, pronounce his name, though? Well, his name's Adrian Majewski. Why don't you just pronounce it correctly instead of just stumbling across it? I mean, it really is not that hard. We're a world football game. Les Murray <laughs> will be looking down on you, disgusted. <laughs> he would be. He would be. He'd be. Going through your cigarette butts, thinking Van Aken, what are you up to? Oh, dear. What did I do anyway, all these years? He if said I did he was operating shut up at a third of his uh, potential during their impressive FFA Cup win over Melbourne City. Mm. The Polish international put on a man-of-the-match performance against the uh, last season's Cup winners, providing one assist and playing a pivotal role in another. Excellent. Man. Okay. All right. You made your point. And, uh, and look, I know you had to slip this in. You just wanted to get it in for Reg, just to One remind more. him of what happened um, against Adelaide United. A 3-0 um, win over Heidelberg a for pal- Adelaide United. A, a, a paltry crowd um, at Olympic Village. Uh, you're just a, fan a, a good crowd. I've got, to say, I've got to say, the Burgers fans are putting my mob to shame in terms of these crowds. So that's fine. Oh, uh, yeah, so yeah, Adelaide I give, United... I give you a one outside off stump for you to so, send mate, over I'm the boundary, mate. And you're just Self-defecating. Yeah, yeah, that'd be... Mm, that's fine. Yeah, that's a del- obviously deliberate, so, uh, yeah. Anyway, 3 yeah, win over Heidelberg saw so Adelaide United progress to the semi-finals of the FFA Cup in front of nearly 4,000 people at Olympic Village uh, in Melbourne. The Reds began aggressively taking the lead in just the first three minutes. Anyway, mm-hmm. Michael, you'll talk about that later. 
We'll talk about that later, but uh, well done to the Burgers on a great FFA Cup run, including the win over Perth. All right, well done, Marco. You've got a bit more news to cover in the second. Now, after the break on Box to Box, we're going to chat to Asian football specialist Alan Matasha. We want to find out a bit more about the Syrian outfit that we're going to play against. They've been taking all before them. They've captured the eye of the international football world, and we are going to play them next, and we're going to be the bad guys having to, to knock them off. So stick around. That's next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? For Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. Welcome back to Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport. Well, when results didn't go our way last week in the World Cup qualifiers, it was pretty apparent that uh, we were going to face a tricky journey to get to Russia next year. Not only do we need to defeat Syria in a home and away league, but uh, hopefully if we can get that result, uh, not from Syria's point of view, obviously, we will uh, play the fourth place team in the CONCACAF region. But before we get there, we need to play, I think, Alan Matasha, freelance football reporter throughout Asia. The Kasur Eagles, have I pronounced it correctly? Uh, you've done much better. <laughs> uh, thank you very much, Alan. Welcome to the show, mate. Good morning to you and the boys. Mate, so tell us, Alan, uh, you know, th- this is going to be a serious challenge. Uh, there- there's uh, not only a quality football side in Syria that we've got to face, but there's a there's a whole wave of emotion behind this side from a, you know, a, a strife-torn country uh, uh, similar to Iraq in the Asian Cup uh, a few years ago. Absolutely, you're spot on. They've got a, a lot to play for, not to say that uh, we... In Australia, here don't have a lot to play for ourselves, but the motivation levels are going to be much, much higher. And again, that's that's not to put any disrespect on our national football team or players, but I don't think uh, the Australians can match the, the motivation levels and just what it means to the Syrians to get this far. And uh, from just the last few days after we found out the two third-place teams, there's been a lot of support for the Syrians across the Middle East, so there's a lot of nations that are willing to donate uh, resources to assist the teams uh, to assist Syria um, have the best chance possible at progressing to the to the next level so it's not just about one nation but there's a lot of uh, support across the Middle East for, for Syria to uh, beat Australia. Alan um I know Middle Eastern politics is not the easiest to explain at the best of times, but there has been a bit of a, a bit of toing and froing in the in the last uh, seven days, in particular over where the home league uh, or serious home league would be played. Um, uh, we originally thought it was going to be Malacca, and then uh, obviously Doha and Abu Dhabi came into the picture. Even Amman in Jordan. Can you reflect on that process? And uh, you know, it's, uh, it was nothing in uh, Middle Eastern football is uh, ever straightforward, especially around these types of decisions. It took a long time to determine that the game was going to be Malacca, didn't it? Um, well, from my, my sources on the inside, I couldn't reveal, but it, there was no doubt it was going to be in Malaysia. Um, mm. It was just uh, a little bit of gamesmanship and just uh, people trying to uh, persuade Syria to host it in their nation so that um, they could score some political points. Uh, But the Syrians always wanted to play in Malaysia because that's been uh, the majority of their uh, base for for the campaign. Mm -hmm. But like I said before, everybody wanted to support support Syria, so they wanted to have the game Mm -hmm. uh, at at their, their nation so that they could build it. But I think the Syrians from the start, stuck to their guns and wanted to uh, play in Malaysia because they were comfortable with it and there wouldn't be as much pressure as well on the team. I know it's a home match, Mm -hmm. but they would have a lot of supporters in the Middle East Mm -hmm. uh, and supporters from other nations, and maybe they just wanted to be comfortable away from the limelight as much as possible and just uh, concentrate on the match, and Malaysia gives them that opportunity. 
That's an interesting point of view to take because you'd think that uh, they want uh, you know a, a rabid support base in the stands uh, you know as the uh, as the twelfth man on the pitch. We're talking to Alan Matasha, freelance football journalist around Asia on the upcoming Australia uh, Syria match. So uh, yeah, it's an interesting tack to take from a from a team to to, to pass up that advantage. What sort of uh, support have they been getting in Malaysia so far? What sort of crowds um, can we expect? The crowd won't be won't be that big. Um, in, in Malaysia, they'll get some uh, home support. But in terms of the, the advantage, I actually thought that if they played the match in Qatar or Abu Dhabi, that the advantage would have been to the Socceroos because mm. they know those um, cities very well and they've based themselves in Dubai for several, several years now since joining the AFC. So it would have been much easier. They would have been able to book facilities a lot quicker and been more comfortable with it. Mm. A shorter journey out of uh, Europe for most of the players, whereas Malaysia is a longer journey and a lot more humid conditions, and mm. the Syrians will be uh, a lot more used to it. So I think they've been quite uh, intelligent about it and not swayed by other factors. But the support won't be anywhere near as... you know, Even if they played it in the Middle East, they wouldn't have got uh, a massive uh, uh, following there. So I don't think we, we, we should expect a lot of uh, uh, support or big crowds, um, which again uh, takes away from the atmosphere of the match. But I think there's a lot of tension uh, on the field and what's at stake will uh, keep us all uh, glued to our screens. Absolutely. Alan, what about the team itself? Um, we understand that there's some players that, uh, because of the political situation in Syria, some players had made themselves unavailable. Um, all of a sudden, they're available again, and it seems that uh, the the team is going through a um, a united uh, front in the last uh, the last two games in particular, and a, a fabulous result in Tehran, a two-two draw to get them into third spot. What can you tell? Socceroos fans right around Australia that are listening to this, what to expect from Syria on the park? Uh, they should expect a team that should be well organised. Uh, they're quite uh, young uh, in their age, but they have a lot of experience. Uh, a lot of these players have you know, grown up in the streets of uh, Damascus, uh, playing barefoot, uh, you know, surrounded by buildings that are half-destroyed. So uh, playing on any service and in any conditions is uh, nothing compared to what they've had to go through just to get to the state. So they will not be intimidated. Uh, they can expect a, a team that is quite fast on the break, as you uh, most soccerist fans would have seen that uh, goal that uh, Omar Al-Soma scored yep. against uh, Iran to get them into the third spot. Uh, they'll be fast against the break, and if the soccerists do stick with the back three, uh, and Syria are on their game, they could do a lot of damage. Yes. There's potential there to do a lot of damage. So you've named one star of the Syrian side. Uh, can you give us a couple more to keep an eye out for? Uh, the main three up front, so you've got uh, Omar Assam and Omar Harban. Both of them play in the Saudi League uh, for big teams, so Al-Ahli and Al-Hilal, who have now progressed to the semi-finals of the Asian Champions League. Uh, so they're, they're the two main uh, threats. The rest of the team, mm-hmm. like I said, is quite experienced. There's a few of those players that play um, in the Syrian team, mm-hmm. play across the Middle Eastern leagues, yeah. uh, in Iraq as well. Uh, so they're, they're very accustomed to tough conditions. And then there's a few players, like I said, that just now they're in the Iraqi league, which is the longest league in, in world football. They play for 11 months and have wow. a two-week off-season. 
and that's a war-torn nation. So it's very different to the conditions in the A-League. Sure is. Hey, Alan, it's been wonderful to talk to you, mate. I think we'll get you back on again before this or maybe afterwards, but uh, uh, you're a wealth of information, mate, uh, and, uh, and thanks again for joining us on box to box Appreciate it. Look forward to being again soon. Stick around. After the break, Sydney FC's Alex Wilkinson. Box to Box. Can you believe it? For Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. This is Box to Box on NTS and News Talk Sport on digital radio, streaming on the World Wide Web. And, of course, our podcast on box2boxnts.com.au. Now, the team that took all before them in the last A-League season was Sydney FC. And uh, just holding up the defence and doing a brilliant job was uh, veteran Sydney player Alex Wilkinson. And we welcome him to the show. Alex, uh, great to have you on, mate. Thanks for having me, guys. What a season it was last year, mate. Uh, you know, uh, Arnie just uh, talked it up and talked it up and talked it up, and he just piled the pressure on uh, throughout the year. But uh, but you guys stood up, and uh, and and uh, and what a brilliant year. Yeah, it was. It was a um, you know a pretty special year, and you don't sort of realise how good it was until afterwards, and you sit back in the off season and um, look at what you know we sort of achieved. And um, yeah, it was it was a fantastic year, and. The boys just sort of went from strength to strength as the season went on and the belief within the squad grew and grew and, um, you know, we we managed to sort of take all before us, which was great. But now that's sort of forgotten. Um, you know, that's the beauty of football. You, you know, you, once uh, the next pre-season gets underway, the last season's finished and now mm-hmm. it's uh, all about concentrating on, on this year and... Um, you know, improving and, and making ourselves even better. Sure is, and uh, and you look pretty good at Leichhardt Oval on uh, Wednesday night against the uh, might of Melbourne City. They, uh, you know, they uh, are a handy outfit themselves, and they, they probably could have uh, played a little bit better, but um, but they, they only ever look like one result. Yeah, look, we were pretty happy with the, the way we played, especially the first half. I thought we um, moved the ball around really well and uh, kept possession uh, very well. And, um, you know, in that first half, uh, probably could have scored a few more than, than the one goal that we did. But um, great to, to come out early in the second half. And Bosky with a, you know, a fantastic finish um, to, to give us that 2-0 buffer. And, um, again, all in all, it was a pretty pretty good performance. It's the first time we've uh, played a competitive match against an A-League team this year. So that was a good test for us and, and gave us a good gauge of where we're at pre-season-wise. And, um we still got a lot of improvement. There's no, you know, we still got a, a, a number of new players who are, who are slotted into the team, who are who are getting used to the way we play and getting used to the players around them. But um, you know, Wednesday night was a good start, and as I said, we, we still got a lot of improvement in us, which is a good thing. <clears throat> Alex, this time of year, everyone's looking for improvements in squads, and uh, fans and analysts alike are, are watching the FFA Cup closely. And your new signing, the Polish international, I tell you what. Um, if we get more of uh, Adrian's form, and, and I'm, I'm going to attempt to pronounce his name, so you let me know if I get it right. But, <laughs> no, uh, I can't even do it, mate. Yeah, yeah, Mazowski. Um, he was. Uh, he looks like he's a special player. I mean, 34 times he's played for Poland. Uh, that's pretty good pedigree. But um, can you tell us a little bit about him and and how excited you guys are about him uh, in your team this year? Yeah, look, he looks a, a you know very exciting prospect and, and a player that. I think the fans will enjoy watching as we saw on Wednesday night and he's been with us now for about for about a month. He's come out, he was playing in the in the UAE beforehand and um, as you said he's he's got a great pedigree. He's 
played at a number of top clubs. He's played for Poland, as you said, I think close to 40 times. Um, and he's the type of player who, uh, he, he's sort of like a, a Nikovic mould. He, he likes to take players on. He's very handy with the ball at his feet. He likes to uh, release other players into goal-scoring positions, and he can also finish himself, which is which is a great trait to have. So um, it looks exciting, and and uh, you know at the end of last year, I think the coaching staff did a really good job of, of keeping the core of the squad together, which is important, um, seeing how well we did. But he's, you know they've also gone and strengthened in, in certain areas with obviously Adrian and um, you know a few other guys, who, Lukey Wilkshire, who's a you know a fantastic player. And, Played for Australia many, many times. It's great to have his experience back. And Paulo Retre and uh, Alex Sisak, our new goalkeeper. So we sort of uh, kept the core of the group together, but also added a you know a lot of quality as well, which is great. Yeah, and uh, and just on uh, um, Adrian Majewski to to come out at the age of 30 with still plenty of football left in him, and uh, to get the sort of rap that uh, he's the best international player to play for Sydney FC. We've got a lot to look forward to this coming season. Yeah, that's right. I mean, he's still, as you said, relatively young at 30. I think he's signed a, a multi-year contract, which is great. Um, yeah, and so, you know, for him to come out and, and bring his family out all the way over the other side of the world is a big move for him. So, you know, I know he's really enjoying being here, and he, he admits himself he's still um, nowhere near um, fit, mm. as fit as he'd like to be and how as fit as he normally is going into a season. So we've still got... About a month till our first game, and uh, obviously that'll be spent still getting a few more trial games in, and um, you know preparing ourselves for that first game. But you know if he can if he can produce performances like that at 50%, it'd be great to see what he can do when he's 100. Sure, will. This is box to box on NTS News Talk Sport. We're talking to Sydney FC's Alex Wilkinson now. You know Arnie, as I said earlier, put all the pressure on uh, for you know the team to, to go all the way last year, and you and you lifted uh, despite the fact that Melbourne Victory tried to spoil the party in what was an epic grand final. But uh, but what's the talk in the in the dressing rooms? Uh, you know from Arnie uh, going into the new season. I think you've already said it. You know last season's history uh, is that the sort of thing we're hearing from Arnie right now. Definitely, I think you know. As soon as we came in for pre-season this year, last year was forgotten about. Um, you know, and, and it's all about uh, going again and, and doing it again and, and improving. You know, it's very difficult. It's hard enough to win the, the championship, premiership double, to be able to back it up and and do it again the next year is even harder. And so that's what it's about this year. We've also got the Asian Champions League to look forward to this year, which is a, a great challenge for us. Something that we're we're really looking forward to giving, trying to give that a shake. So um, it's going to be a busy period towards the end of the season this year. Um, that that's, that goes back to you know recruitment and, and and getting the right sort of squad together. And Arnie's done that really well. He's got at least you know a couple of guys who can play every position on the pitch, and um, you know that's going to be important come uh, February, March, April next year when when the games are coming thick and fast. Alex, uh, let's take a different tack. You're a, you are a, a decorated soccerer. You represented the country with great, um, with great uh, pride in uh, in Brazil. Um, can I just get you to reflect on the current situation uh, with the Socceroos and uh, this uh, playoff uh, road that we need to take? Uh, well, obviously against uh, Syria, uh, first up in Malacca, then back in Sydney, and then the fourth ranked Concacaf team. What do you think? Um, you know, your, your, your teammates uh, at Socceroo level who um, would have all, uh, especially the international ones who would have popped on the plane after the Thailand game. You know, what's what? What do you think they're thinking um, about this? Uh, these couple of months ahead, um, and combining their club 
club commitments with um, what's going to be a high-pressure environment at international duty. Can you just give us some reflections on all of that? Yeah, look, I think, I mean, uh, I think first off they probably would have been a bit disappointed after the, the Thailand game and, and obviously seeing the result over in, in Saudi Arabia with them qualifying directly. But <clears throat> I think, uh, you know, that Thailand game was, was, was an anomaly. I think you'd never see a game like that again that you, you only scored... You know, a few goals when we've had that many attempts and hit the woodwork so many times. And, um, you know, on any other night, you score four or five, and that's enough. But it wasn't to be. And now, as you said, it's uh, going to be a bit more difficult road, obviously, with Syria first up. But, you know, I think the boys will still be relatively confident that they can get the job done, I think. Um, you know, the, against Syria, I think they'll be favoured to... So obviously, the the away leg will be will be a little bit difficult, but with Syria not playing at home, I guess that's a little advantage. And when we play at home, we're you know we're a different team. We're very very good at home. Not many teams come here and take points away. So if we can get a good result in Malaysia first up, you know I'm very confident that the boys will come back here and, and get get through that first stage. And then it's a matter of who do we play next. And the Concacaf region is is. You know, a relatively difficult one. I think it's going to be between Honduras, uh, the US, or Panama, maybe. Um, so, you know, that, that that's going to be a different challenge. We don't, we don't often play too many teams from the Concacaf region. region so, I'll throw uh, out the welcome mat for the away league. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> I know. So uh, Uruguay style. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and um, yeah, I mean, as you said, it's going to be high pressure. But you know, international football is that every game's high pressure. You know, the boys have got to perform every single game and if they want to go to a World Cup and perform then, you know, they've got to be able to perform under pressure and we saw in, in the Confeds Cup against Chile and and uh, in a couple of the other games as well that, that they performed well, it's just a matter of getting a 90 minute performance together and once they do that I think, um, you know, they can go toe to toe with anyone. And uh, I think fans need to recognise that this is the last time that we will have this type of situation because this is the last World Cup that we've got this current format in before it goes to the expanded 48 teams, I think it is. So um, you would expect Australia's qualification with extra spots in Asia would get easier next time round. But this um, does throw back memories of 2005, Alex, doesn't it? Those uh, cutthroat playoffs against Uruguay. It could be a, a remarkable and emotional time in the next month for Socceroos fans. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, everyone remembers that night in 2005 against Uruguay. Everyone remembers where they were and where they were watching the game and um, what that did for sort of Australian football in general was, was fantastic. So, yeah, as I said before, it's the, it's the road that they probably didn't want to travel, but if you can end up with a game like that and, um, you know, those those big games at home that draw huge crowds, it's almost a, you know, a shot in the arm for the game and it, and it boosts the the profile of the game around Australia. So, you know, let's hope um, you know we get through Syria and then play the play the big one and look forward to uh, to getting out there and, and getting everyone to support the boys and, and hopefully uh, qualifying. Well said, uh, Alex. Now, before we let you go, mate, I just wanted to uh, to say uh, a little thank you to you on behalf of your teammates because uh, last season one of our great sponsors, Storage King, uh, Michael Alafachi, his wife Antonella was unwell and uh, Sydney FC really uh, went out of their way to uh, make sure that there was a special occasion uh, for them uh, as die-hard Sydney FC fans. So, uh, so hats off, mate. You do great work on the park and off it as well. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I mean, we... I think not only Sydney, but all the you know a lot of the A League clubs really uh, pride themselves on getting around to the community and working with the grassroots, and not only that, but um, helping out community members and whatnot when we can. So uh, yeah. it's all about growing the game, and um, 
I know all the boys are really committed to, to not only doing well on the on the park, but uh, growing the game off it as well. Yeah, hats off to you, mate. Well done. Good luck for the season ahead, mate. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me. Not at all, mate. Stick around, because Dino is going to be back in, and uh, we are going to talk about everything that's coming up uh, in the A-League. We're going to review the... Uh, the FFA Cup uh, semi quarterfinals to come, the the two uh, that are coming up next week, and also the two that were gone this week. That's all next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? The Chemist Warehouse, home of real brands and real savings, and Storage King. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. This is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport, streaming on the World Wide Web, of course on digital radio and our podcast on box2boxnts.com.au. Now, our former Notts County man, 250-game veteran of the Victorian Premier League, box to boxes own Dean Hennessy, Dino. And Pesco Vale, technical director. Thank you very much, Rob. Don't Thank forget you. that. You've got to put that into your uh, little... Okay. It goes into next down, week. <laughs> All right. Done. Yeah, Hello, I'm, Dino. I'm good. How are you, Edge? How are good. you, uh, Rob? Very well, mate. That's yeah. good. Yeah, well, there's uh, plenty of uh, plenty of news as there always is. We've uh, we've obviously got the uh, FA. Uh, can FFA. I have a whinge off the top? Yeah, you can. Can you I can. have a whinge? It's yeah. unlike me to have a whinge. Normally, that's reserved for Mark <laughs> Van Aken. But I mean, um, you're going to laugh at me because you've been banging on about this uh, in previous years. But I felt for my club, the Burgers, who obviously got rolled in the FFA Cup yep. and the NPL uh, Victoria Grand Final, but. They played Sunday night late, didn't finish till about 9.30pm, they had to back up on Wednesday against Adelaide City, they and they're did. on the plane tomorrow to play in Perth on Sunday in the in the national NPL playoffs uh, at the end of the season, they play a baseball, I believe. Um, three games in seven days, while South Melbourne have been sitting on their um, backsides wondering when their next game is, which is next week. You would have thought that the people in charge of the fixture in might have had a look at Heidelberg's schedule and thought, well, let's play them in the FFA Cup next week yeah, and take... play South Melbourne this week yeah. because South Melbourne's looking for a game and Heidelberg wants to probably shed one off. I mean, it doesn't make a lot of sense, Dan. No, it doesn't. And, um, you know, it's uh, you're not really... Uh... <laughs> yeah. I've been banging on since 2015 when, uh, when we got to the FFA Hume, Cup when you were when Hume, in the semi-final right. our schedule was unbelievable I think right? I said to you at the time just harden up but uh, yeah, I think you <laughs> did. the, the boots that, on the other and, foot and, yeah. well it is and that's the thing and look I was quite strong with the FFV and I said look it's happened to us but you've got to ensure that this won't happen to any other team even if it's in advantage to Hume and their opposition are in the same boat we were in I wouldn't want it because it's not right based on what we knew then, but, but someone must be looking at the entire scheduling and just thinking. Well, it's, well, it's affected Heidelberg twice. It yeah. affected them in the in, against Oakley did, when they it? lost That's five right. one. Yeah. Well, it affected um, um, Bentley too, didn't and it? And it yeah. affected yeah. Bentley, and and then what was and very I think, what was um, very RPL too as but well. But what was funny with yeah. Bentley was Bentley came to me to say, "Dude, you know what can we do about this?" I said, "Well, with all due respect, and I spoke to Johnny A about it, and certainly the powers to be upstairs saying, well, you started it. You were the ones that were.'" adamant about doing it this way and it's now come back many years later to bite you mm. but for their benefit they won so it didn't really matter but anyway look i think they've got to fix it i think are we going through some growing pains yeah i think we are i think this is this is the bit where we're going from um full-time football mm, mm. to not quite full-time football yeah. and, and this is the level of detail this is, this is the level of detail right. that we have to get right moving mm. forward so yeah because it's, it's, the, it's the smaller clubs absolutely that with the fewer resources and, and players and, and, and administrators, coaches that have got other commitments yep. in their lives other yeah. than 
pure football that have got to work a whole bunch of things around it that the people that are totally focused on football only need to be conscious. And of. I think if you look at football in, in, in the entirety in Australian mm. football, moving forward for where we mm. want to be in the next 12, 18 yeah. months to two years, is you need these examples yeah. to go, right, we learn from this, yes. we change it, we get yeah. it right, or we yeah. manage it much better, mm. and then the game flows a lot better. But you know, and I know, you look at the championship, it's games mm. every other day, mm. you know, it's like... it's so. But they're pure professional. Pure it's professional, of course, it. and that's where we want to be with possibly a potential B League, yeah, yeah. and then the MPL will even uh, grow as well. But getting back to the FA Cup, your boys. It'll be the FFA Cup. FFA Cup. Uh, it was just one one step too far, but what yeah, a fabulous crowd! Just mm, under four thousand, yeah. which is fabulous. Uh, but the burgers, you know, let me just say. Uh, on behalf of George and Jeff and uh, certainly Steve the President what a great season they've had um, they've been really really good uh, the funny bit is and I'm going to just throw this even though I'm not a Hume the only team to beat them home and away was Hume which was interesting but anyway um, well, but, but now on Pasco Vale another great event out at Olympic Village yeah. but Adelaide City were uh, the real deal and you know the pendulum has definitely swung you could tell um, the A-League team was, you know, significantly progressed in its uh, preparation for its season, and it, tell, it told on the, on, being on the there, field. Being there again, yeah, it's it just, like you get them early and you've got a chance. Get them three weeks later, you can mm. see the improvement. Get them a little bit further, semi-final time. Mm. It's like, and, and look, we we were one nil down in the 89th minute in that semi-final. How we hung in there, I still don't know. But it was just a brave performance from the mm. team that night. But you can just see the class and the the fitness and, that's, that's and how sharp yeah. they are. So, yeah. so look, lots to learn. And I think I think the game is going in the right direction as long as we get the big stuff right. But three nil in the end, and the boy uh, M- Mislinic. Uh, yeah, he did a great job. Three goals and. Uh, could have scored goal of the uh, goal of the FFA Cup too. We hit the. Bat no, that off. wasn't him. Oh, was it? No, no, player, no was that it? was another fella. He, uh, he, uh, he, but that was a cracker. Yeah. I mean, poor old Chris didn't know where it was going, did he? No, that's right. But the All A League clash in the other quarter final, Sydney SC and Melbourne City. Um, if you're a Melbourne City fan. Uh, like uh, I know a lot of, uh, they were incredibly disappointing. Be concerned on the first yeah, half performance. Yeah, and Sydney FC, wow. And if they got a boy, the uh, your man Adrian. Adrian. Yeah. Um, Adrian Majewski, he's yeah. uh, the Polish player you uh, pointed out. In pre-season in mid-August when yes. we went up to the Gold Coast. You and, did, uh, you came back here and you said, I'll tell you what, I've seen a player and uh, didn't he deliver? Well, he, he has delivered and you know he's played Champions League, he's played 30 or 34 times to, for mm. Poland. Mm. At one stage I heard yesterday a rumour that he was actually valued more Obviously, he's a little bit older than Lewandowski. So, so you, you say he's a revelation. What do you identify in his package that uh, that that puts him on that pedestal? Well, he plays. I mean, look, he can play anywhere up top end. So he's at, he's more like out in wide areas, but he, he roams the pitch. He was doing a lot of stuff in the middle. Um, I know that the Sydney FC. Uh, coaching group are really excited about him. Um, and Excuse me, just for a moment. Excited? They are beating the drum. Yeah. Saying, oh, that, he, he was saying a, that there's no doubt that he's he was uh, prob- the, probably the best player that's ever been in the club. He was the man of the match, and he was at forty percent. Um, <laughs> and 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 to be honest, there was a telltale sign there. Melbourne City were trying to kick him at every chance, so that's going to be something he's going to have to get used. He's been there before. He's experienced. He'll, he'll deal with that, but. Uh, I think for all of our A-League fans out there looking forward to watching a really top-class player, I think this is the boy this year. He could, uh, as long as he you know, remains fit and settles in like I'm sure he will, sign mm. a three-year deal. So mm. he's, he's not here just for a holiday. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, this is a life change for him. But I, uh, I, mean, know, I thought Sydney that, were good. Yeah, Sydney they were good, improved they? a ton. And Melbourne City, um, 
the the, uh, the murmurings out of uh, out of Bandura that things aren't so great up there because I understand uh, Joe Montemuro has been uh, demoted or effectively um, his role with the senior team there has been withdrawn and and if you believe the reports around the place uh, the reason was. Uh, the new coach Joyce uh, didn't uh, rate, yeah, yeah. didn't warrant, didn't rate um, video analysis, and that's pretty much Pepe's gig. So, um, I mean, a little bit of unease up at uh, at City Group, you know. Wow. Uh, they put on, on a, a pretty smooth exterior, but maybe behind the scenes it's a bit rocky. On on that, I mean, I've never met Warren Joyce, and you can't fault his career and the or boys' his CV, I mean, CV wow. and what he's produced. Um, he's been... Very very surprised in the modern day football environment that. Uh, video analysis isn't used. I mean, well, that was the. I mean, we, we've got to say that's that, what's I mean, been reported. If that is the excuse, well, then that is really alarming. Uh, you know, one of the biggest <clears> things in all sports uh, is video analysis, and and I, I'm I'm gobsmacked if that is the case because I would imagine Manchester City and all the other groups, you know, with part of that City group. Well, it sounds like we need to put more flesh on. The I think we need to one. find out that for it being a fact. If it's a fact, well, then there is a worry. But I think more worrying was the performance. They did. They really didn't work at all in the first half their best spell was actually was actually just after half time for five minutes and then the very first time Sydney went through got a goal uh, Broski's second um, finish and that was a game over so right Dino there's two more games in the quarterfinals there this is week. this week's games we're looking forward to these games Blacktown City and Western Sydney Wanderers well Lily's Football Stadium yeah at 7.30 um that should be a bumper crowd, that mm, one. Should be that, that, that's a sellout Go for me. If, if you get a sellout there, then there's some real claims on mm. this attraction of getting these big clubs. I know we, we bang on about some of the Victorian clubs, but Blacktown City, a big club mm. uh, and traditional and historic club in Sydney. So good luck to them as they take on the Wanderers, who just quietly have had a pretty good pre-season. They have. I'm really interested to see when they come up. Uh, if, if the, They're likely to win. They'll be favourite for this game. Well, the they Wanderers, should win, yeah. But they'll probably get through to the, the next round. I'd like to see them against A-League. Uh, quality, see what they're uh, what they're going to be like. Yeah, but there is uh, there is another a, game. Yes, Seabus yeah. Super Stadium, uh, Gold Coast City and South Melbourne. So South Melbourne, firm favourites in this one, you would think. Well, you would, but Gold Coast have had a really. For, I think it's sixteen days. It was South. Yeah. yeah, but Gold Coast have had a good season. You know, yeah. they were leading their their respected league right till the very last game of the season, where Brisbane strikers, our boy uh, Sean Lane pip them at the post um, I think this will be a tight affair I don't think this will be straightforward and if you so. remember for South Melbourne the last time they went to they got rolled they, yeah, the Queensland they got rolled so um, but look I think there's a lot at stake for South Melbourne they really do from their point of view with all their claims well they want a big fixture at uh, Lakeside they, they do yeah. they want the semi-final yeah. there against a big club and if they got that well then we'll see what type of crowd and can they fill it and Dino segueing into the A-League which uh, kicks off on Friday the 6th of October so we've been complaining about this never ending <laughs> the longest season, season, season in the world yeah. Yeah. so, so the, uh, the the teams that have had an extended run in the FFA Cup what kind of advantage do you think that gives them going oh, look, I think I think it does I mean irrespective of the opposition they're playing it's a competitive game mm. and, and they've got to go out there and, and, and do the job so I think that helps you more battle hardened I mean friendlies are friendlies and mm. you know rotations and it's in a friendly and we're just getting the le- you know miles in the legs mm. when you get a proper football match you, mm. you seem to dig in a little bit more and get more out of it so I think mm. the, the advantage to the A-League clubs is if they last longer in it mm. uh, it's helping their and assisting their pre 
season. And I, I don't want to talk down the opening fixture, but uh, but you know Melbourne City v Brisbane Roar at Amy Park. You know City of. You know, as we all know, not being uh, famous for drawing huge crowds, that that's not a blockbuster to open the season uh, on that uh, Friday night after both the NRL and the AFL finish. So, City fans, get along and, and pack that joint. We need at least ten, ten fifteen thousand yeah, people ten, there. Ten yeah, plus. And you need ten plus. Uh, Central Coast Newcastle on the Saturday afternoon in the well, doubleheader. Melbourne Heidelberg Victory can pull v 4,000 people on a wintry Wednesday night. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. City. Exactly. Yeah, that's the big so, one. That's so the big one. Melbourne victory v Sydney. Exactly. That's probably the game that should have been played on the Friday night. Uh, uh, speaking of fixturing, and then the Sunday, Wellington v Adelaide, and the Wanderers play Perth at home. So uh, just three weeks away. Next week we'll start to do. Um, it is. Is that uh, your agent there? Was that yeah, the agent? that is. That's, that's the agent. That's, that's, that's Melbourne City CEO no, ringing Rob <laughs> saying, "Would you talk us up for a chance?" No, for a chance no, please. Sorry, guys. It, it was actually David Gallup uh, just ringing to say, "All right, guys, I'm listening." <laughs> I'm onto it. <laughs> ah, brilliant. Ah, good. So, Dino, uh, we, we're going to get stuck into it next week. Yeah, yeah? definitely. And uh, get our predictions, uh, put a bit of pressure on everybody in the studio. Beautiful. All right. Well done, mate. So, stick around after the break. Former Matilda's captain and current PFA player relations executive, Kate Gill. She's going to talk to us about the breakthrough announcement that was ratified this week for the pay deal for the women players. Dino is going to, of course, return with the international scene, and we will wrap it up with stoppage time. That's all coming up on Box to Box. Now, this is Box to Box with Rob Gilbert and Michael Edgley. Oh, what a goal! For Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. Absolutely fantastic! Welcome back to Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sports, streaming on the World Wide Web. And, of course, our podcast on Box to Box nts.com.au where you can listen to all 96 episodes of this program second edition news shortly then we'll chat to former Matilda's captain and current PFA player relations executive Kate Gill about the breaking news this week on the new W League pay deal Dino with his preview of the international week in football and we'll wrap it up with stoppage time now Marco before we get going um, Mm -hmm. have you ever sold a house? Uh, no so when you do (laughs) ever owned a house? (laughs) <laughs> I own it. Well, uh, I half own a house. Michael, uh, if you ever sold a house, yes, I have. Yes. Commonwealth yes. Bank owns the other half. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so they always say, "Don't ask a question if you don't know the answer." Uh, potential buyers, when you're selling your house, they all want to know they can easily fit all their belongings in your home. Now, the trick to giving the sense of space is to declutter. So it looks like. There's a lot of space in your home. Everybody knows it. It's an old real estate method of, of, of uh, giving the impression of space. Yes. But where are you going to put your stuff? If you're trying to declutter, you've got to go somewhere, don't you? You can't just go in to the storage, next door neighbor. Right. That's a good idea. And where would you go, Mark? I would go to your storage king. Absolutely. So if you need to put your belongings somewhere safe and sound and secure, that's not going to cost you too much. You'll find all the space you need at Storage King. Storage King could make selling your home a quicker and easier process. To find out more, call 1-800-STORAGE today. Go to storageking.com.au. There's a fantastic space calculator. You can work out how much space you need with your gear. Storage Kings are the kings of storage moving and much, much more. They'll help you out with everything. Absolutely, and uh, otherwise Mum's House was the other answer to your question. But no, yeah. Storage King is a much safer, more secure place. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah, and your mum's not going to uh, sell your stuff on eBay either. So <laughs> She might. So, mate, Actually, my to... wife is about to sell all my stuff in my, uh, in my uh, study. 
Yeah. I've been told this weekend. If okay. I don't clean the study this weekend, it's going in the bin. 1-800-STORAGE. So I need to find Storage King. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Harry Kane, he scored twice for Tottenham in the opening UEFA Champions League match. We've got that set down to talk to Dino in a little bit more detail later on in the hour, but it was a good win against Borussia Dortmund. Or on Sunrise, they would call that Borussia Dortmund. Oh, uh, 3-1. No. <laughs> God. I remember Ernie Sigley famous referred to Arkansas as Arkansas on one occasion. I might have said that once or twice in my life. <laughs> hey, before we get to that, <clears throat> I'm going to clear my voice. And uh, we've got Dino on this segment too because um, Arsenal's Europa League game yesterday against Cologne at Emirates Stadium was put back by an hour in the interests of, inverted commas, crowd safety. It kicked off at uh, 9.05, which is very, very late local time. Thousands of ticketless away supporters turned up outside the ground and there were some scuffles between fans and stewards inside and after the gates uh, once the gates opened the german side had only been given a t- ticket allocation of 2900 but boys 20000 of the fans came into central london and brought it to a standstill i know your 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 lads over there don't and it's uh, yes. it's a bit worrying yeah yes. look he said it's uh, the, the new early early doors it obviously was on must have been on the news so he's picked up on it he's in london at the moment um, and you know like 2900 allocation to 20000 it's an incredible support mm. that's come come over to support but what what i'm hearing and re- just reading through all the bits and pieces that there is there are arsenal fans who've sold their tickets to the germans yep. so that means it's not they're not all in one area it's all over the place and mm. you know what that's like germany and english based uh, supporters don't generally mix too well uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah they've got a bit of history, bit, a bit, bit of bad there's blood a, there's a little bit of history there history? So what's the history Dana? <laughs> well, no, keep going. Yeah. but anyway um but look the, these are always concerning, you know, especially when you've got young kids in the stadium. Uh, what was interesting, though, because uh, my boy did say uh, he fancied going, and he said, but the cheapest ticket was £110 for a Europa League game, which is about $190 Australian. And that's the cheapest Quite ticket. Quite affordable. Yeah. So very affordable. So he said, I'm, I might just watch it on telly. <laughs> so, oh, Anyway, and, and Michael, you touched on this. Via GoGo, um, Ticketmaster Resale, um, other people can sell their tickets into different parts of the stadium. and I think it's never been easier for people who own tickets. You know, If you buy a season's ticket and at Arsenal, um, if you bought a season's ticket, you obviously get options to buy the Europa League games. It's never been easy for you to offload those tickets if you can't go uh, through various reselling sites, which would create a significant... Um, security issue for stadium management and something that needs to be looked at and they've been caught out here no doubt about it some pretty uh, pretty interesting images uh, we've just seen over the last 24 hours out of that not not good for the world game of football but arsenal i would have thought they would have probably predicted that that could have been an issue and maybe they've been caught with their pants down Big stadium. They they really just needed to allocate more away seats. You think, Dino? Or? Well, but but they fill up with their own fans. So I mean, well, given all, all the the issues that have been going on uh, around the world uh, over recent years, and uh, you know, London has uh, has been uh, you know a target uh, for uh, you know undesirables. There are undesirables we know in football crowds. So uh, yeah, it, it, you can see how uh, on, the fans just, are, 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 are just are slap and slag the entire. Supporter base of Cologne football. Club. No, we're, we're, we're not. We're yeah. just, I think I, I used the word some on two separate occasions. Mm. Correct. <laughs> to, to describe just some. making my point. I think yeah. the the other thing you got to recognise as well, which is again, it shouldn't be surprising, but it, I'm quite surprised with the pre- ticket prices, what they're valued at, mm. being that being the least. 
and Arsenal fans filling the stadium mm. where they've rested a lot of their top players yeah. because obviously they're in many competitions. You're just surprised that they just want to be a, a Europa, which is a second tier competition. Mm. But again, they're there supporting them. So it just speaks volumes most probably of how... How, why are sorry? Why Arsenal are frustrated, mm. and I suppose with Wenger as well, because they feel well, it's time they're not going to be competing with the big boys, and, and and this is the first time in what 16 years I think it is that they're not in the Champions League. Yeah. So yeah. it's you know it's just um, or European whatever it might be, but I don't know. Worrying, worrying. It is. You got to say though, Dino. Question for you: How many times have uh, Arsenal won the European Cup? Uh, they haven't. They lost. No, zero. Uh, they okay. lost to How many times Barcelona? have won UEFA Cup? I'm not sure. Zero. Zero. Anyway, Matilda Star, Lisa Devano is happy to take extra money from the new W League pay deal. We'll talk about we'll talk about that with Kate Gill later in the hour. But says playing in front of 17,000 people against Brazil this Saturday night in Penrith means more. This week, a new two-year agreement was brokered between Football Federation Australia and the Professional Footballers Australia and is expected to see the average contract for W League players rise from $6,909. Good round figure there, Rob. Mm. Uh, to $15,500. And it's interesting to note, again, as we spoke about last week, the Matildas mm. have sold this game out in Penrith before yeah. the Socceroos sold out their game, mm. their cutthroat game at Amy Park, Rob. Yeah, that's a, it's a good point, and uh, and still tickets available for the game at uh, Newcastle McDonald Jones Stadium in Newcastle on Tuesday, which is night, also so. close to selling out, I hear. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, no, it's fantastic. But uh, as we know, the ticket price is twenty bucks for a ticket, uh, made it affordable, and the um, the performances of the Matildas over recent years have have put them on a pedestal, and the public have reacted. Mark, you would know. Just talking about Lisa Devanna for a moment, you would know uh, she plays for South Melbourne she in, does. The, in the National Premier League. Oceania team Victoria. of the century. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I popped in there just to have a squeaky look uh, last weekend. A squeaky look? How That's do you right. have a squeaky look? What's that mean? Well, I just, you know, dropped in for sneaky. half a game. You're trying to say sneaky? Yeah, squeaky, sneaky. And dropped in <laughs> half a game and she scored a volley that was world class. Yeah. She's still got it. She is amazing. Uh, she's amazing. She whacked, if you get a chance, it's probably on YouTube, but I know, I know it is. Uh, she whacked a volley in from about 30 metres, which uh, went like a bullet. She's still, she still got a lot to offer Australian football at uh, that level, Lisa Devan. I'll be really interested to see whether she gets through to the next World Cup, but uh, she's yeah. a superstar. She really is. How old is she? Uh, 33, I think, yeah. That old? Yeah. And okay. she's still got the strut. You can just tell. You're just... Yeah. Oh, every yeah, she's time got the strut. <laughs> she, played, um, she played in a game when she was a guest player when Hume's under-14 boys were playing the girls, but she came on as a bit of a cameo just to, mm. you know, like, to give the girls some experience and tell her what she was running around random. Yeah. yeah. She's amazing. She yeah. really is. But yeah. the girls, to be fair, th- that age group were very good. I was mm-hmm. quite taken back. Uh, I thought the girls did really well. I mean, mm. the, the under-14s at Hume at that time haven't been beaten in two mm. years. Well, speaking of women's football, it's a big um, little period for women's football. Obviously, Matildas playing Brazil, but the uh, young Matildas are in camp mm. preparing for their qualifiers in October, and the mini Matildas, I think the under-16s, are currently in a in a tournament, a qualification tournament. Not going so well, they got beat by Japan 5-0, but women's football is on the march in Australia. Great to mm. see. It sure is, and we're going to find out more about women's football after the break because, as Mark indicated there, we are going to talk to former Matilda's captain and current PFA Player Relations Executive, Kate Gill, and Kate will fill us in on uh, on the pay deal. She's going to talk to us about uh, you know just the hype going on around the, the Matildas right now and, uh, and all the excitement there. So stick around and you'll hear a hell of a lot more on Matilda's Kate Gill style on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? 
Casper Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial... Welcome back to Box to Box on NTS News, Talk Sport on digital radio, streaming on the World Wide Web, and of course, the app on Box to Box NTS com.au where you can listen to all of our podcasts now. Great news uh, over the last few years for the Matildas. We just uh, hear stories of our women's national side and of course the W League going from strength to strength and this week uh, the ratification of a pay deal that uh, that will set the, the women's game ahead uh, yet again. So to talk about it, former Matildas captain and current PFA player relations executive Kate Gill. Welcome to Box to Box for the first time Kate. Oh, thank you for having me. Hey, Kate. Um, for the uninitiated, I know uh, you know we're a dedicated football program, and our fans would be well aware of uh, the news during the week broadly. But can you just give us some detail uh, into the announcement and uh, and to what um, what's happened? Yeah, um, I'd love to. So, what's just happened is that there's been a collective bargaining agreement negotiated between the players through the PFA and obviously the FFA and the club. And that's going to see um, the W League players afforded, for the first time, a minimum wage and numerous protections around their employment. Mm-hmm. And uh, and and talk to us about the uh, the minimum uh, uh, salary cap uh, levels and and some of those protections that have been put in place where clubs have to spend a, a certain amount. Yeah. So so prior to this um, deal coming across the line, um, previously the clubs have been afforded resources from the FFA, but it's always been very minimal. Mm-hmm. And for the first time, the FFA have increased the amount of resources available, and in turn, that's allowed a minimum salary to come into effect. Mm-hmm. So for the 2017 season, players will receive at a minimum ten thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. But what sets us apart from the other codes is that that's purely a minimum. Players are well within their rights to negotiate in excess of that figure. Mm-hmm. So again in twenty eighteen it will move forward so it'll go to twelve thousand two hundred and eighty seven dollars. Mm-hmm. And in line with that will also be increased resourcing to the clubs. So it comes hand in glove pretty much. And then with that, there's, there's other key benefits across the table. For the first time, we'll have a maternity provision available. Yeah. So that will mean that, that any player that has a child under three years or younger will be provided with an airfare and a room as resourced by the FFA. Good. So, yeah, it, it, I mean, it's a fantastic deal to start with, but I, I think it really just kind of sets the foundation and um, creates some momentum to move forward from there. Kate, congratulations uh, to you and your role with the PFA in uh, in helping to make all this happen. Um, I wanted to ask a question about, uh, I mean, you're in a great position to assess this. I mean, often um, we talk to people that have uh, retired from the game and they look back uh, at the opportunities they had versus the opportunities uh, that are available now. Um, I imagine you would love to be 17 again because if you're 17 and on the fringe of the Matildas and playing in the W League, the opportunities ahead for you are, are pretty great, aren't they? Yeah, look, it's fantastic, and I mean, it's it's bittersweet when you when you look at it. But I think, um, as a former player and those that, that came before me who had it a, a lot worse than what I did, it's all about, um, I guess, giving back to the game, but leaving some form of legacy and and it's respect, respect for those that came before you and those that are still to come, and also for the game itself. Absolutely. And what about um, the external influences on this deal? Uh, in particular, there's been that uh, PR juggernaut, the AFL Women's Competition, which was launched last year. I mean, uh, for those people who are close to the women's game, uh, football in Australia, it was, it was like, um, you know, it's like soccer didn't exist or women's sport didn't, didn't exist before the uh, AFLW sort of announced itself in the media. Um, 
the, the external pressures around netball and, and AFLW, did that help uh, generate leverage uh, in terms of football, uh, aka soccer, being competitive against those sports? Yeah, for me, um, looking back, I think when the Matildas obviously took that industrial action, that was kind of like the, the catalyst for change mm-hmm. amongst women's sport. I think it kind of it left behind the, the gratitude piece where, of course, all the girls are, are fantastically grateful that they get to play for their country, but with that, you've, you've got to be looked after as well. So I think that kind of turned things on its head, and I think from there, we've we've kind of been the trailblazers in terms of domestic competition as the W League's coming into its 10th year this season. So while I think we might have stayed stagnant for a little while and the other sports took advantage of that opportunity and I guess the, the groundswell behind it, um, I think it's quite timely where we've come to, and the AFL probably, probably did spur some into action along with Big Bash League as well, but... Um, I think that we can we can slowly regain the mantle in that space. Yeah, this is Box to Box on NTS News Talksport. We're talking to former Matilda captain and current PFA executive Kate Gill. And Kate, you suffered yourself, um, you know, uh, at, at times from your you know your vocal position, you know, during that period of time where industrial action was taken. Of course, what you refer to is, uh, you know, the the women, uh, the Matildas, not uh, going to the states to play the, the world champions. Uh, so uh, you know, you really uh, put your uh, your career where your mouth was, so to speak. Yeah, um, I believe it, sometimes it just takes someone to, to stand up and no matter what the cost at times, but I think look at what's come into effect. Like I've had a fantastic career on the pitch and I've achieved some amazing highs and some amazing lows, but if I can give back to the game in any degree, I'll jump at that chance and be able to implement something like this that's going to allow young players and young girls to achieve their aspirations and see their dreams come true. I think that speaks wonders. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, and to sort of segue into the Matildas, we've got a a, a fabulous double header coming up. And you know, who would have thought that the uh, that the the Matildas would sell out a game ahead of the Socceroos uh, as it happened uh, with the uh, the Penrith match, uh, selling out before the the Amy Park uh, World Cup qualifier against Thailand. It's just an indication of of how far the the women's games come. Oh, it's brilliant to see, and the Matildas have been so fantastic for such a long time, and severely under-resourced, and they really trade off the goodwill of all the support staff to mm. pack them. So it's it's brilliant to see, and we've always had that public support, but for the public to really back the game and come out and show their support, it means everything to the girls. Like they're absolutely buzzing, and so they should they be. Should they should be? They're deserving of this. So, and it's going to be fantastic. Like when do you get to see Sam Kerr and Martha mm-hmm. on the yeah. same field? It's going to be such a spectacle. And we should uh, reflect on uh, the Tournament of Nations win. Um, in that game, uh, Brazil did rest a lot of their sort of top liners, and uh, I understand that Brazil's pretty much brought everyone for these matches. So we can expect um, Brazil probably to be pretty motivated to uh, put in a good performance as a result of the last time we played that 6-1 thumping we gave them, Kate. Yeah, and most definitely. And sure, they should have the best team on the park because you see what happens when they don't. So I think there's a, a level of respect now from them and they've obviously realised that, hang on a minute, if, if we don't put our best foot forward, we're actually going to get thumped here. Kate, one, I've got a question for you, a couple of questions about development uh, in the women's game. Um, there is, <clears throat> obviously, uh, when um, a player gets capped for the Matildas, they get an opportunity to be signed by the, the, the National Women's Soccer League clubs in the United States. Um if, if you're a young player and giving advice, and I, I know in your role at the PFA this probably comes up, uh, a lot of young players have an opportunity to play college football in the United States as well versus um, 
staying at home. That must be a real decision for some young footballers, young female footballers these days, to whether to stay at home and play in their NPL comps and the W League versus actually going across to play college college soccer in the States. Can you just um, give us some, some comments about the pathways that exist for young uh, female footballers? Yeah, um, I'd love to. I think the whole crux of the actual CBA deal that came through for the W League was we recognised that there was a problem, A, with the longevity of players and keeping them within the game, and then the actual pathway itself, like, where's the vision for these players? Where are they actually stepping through to reach the Matildas? Why do they have to go offshore to achieve that goal? So for us, it was about increasing the plat- the talent pool that we have and giving them opportunities and exposure to a professional league and then sustaining their longevity through that game. But there are other, other avenues, as you suggested, obviously going through the college system. And I guess that really comes down to personal opinion. And the great thing about the college system is you're getting a free education. Mm. And we know from the cohort of players that we have that the girls are educated. They do have a thirst for that. And what we've tried to build in through the W League well is, as well is a flexible employment framework. So if the girls want to study or they want to work as well, that we find employees that for them, sorry, employers that offer them that opportunity. Mm. And then we also we look after their hours, so we're not scheduling football commitments when they should be going to school or doing their off-field pursuits. So it kind of comes part and parcel and we've looked at it as all-encompassing and we've tried to accommodate for every single player, be it from professional to elite amateur and however they see themselves within that framework. Yeah, that's excellent, uh, Kate, because uh, you know, as we know, uh, football sports careers, they only go for a finite amount of time, whereas most people get a job and uh, you know, they're able to turn that into a career. So it's great to see that, that, you know, that the full life um, uh, experience has been taken into consideration. Kate, look, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Enjoy the week ahead with uh, uh, all of the, uh, the excitement that's going to go on around the, the Matildas matches and, uh, and congratulations to you and to your, uh, you know, your colleagues of uh, Matildas Days Gone by for for uh, for setting the agenda and, and and blazing this path. No, it's my pleasure, and then thanks for having me on the show, and thank you to everyone also for their support of the Matildas. Yeah, absolutely, we'll support the Matildas for uh, uh, ever and a day because uh, they are a great example of sport in this country. Stick around after the break. Dino is going to be back. We're going to review the Champions League and look to the week ahead in the EPL. That's next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you for Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal this of all. This is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport. Dino, he's back. It was a big week in Champions League, Dean. Big week in football, as per usual, Rob, as mm. you well know. Um, that's the lovely thing about these segments is <laughs> you're not sitting there scratching for a, nope. for material, are you? So, yeah. uh, but no, Champions League is back and... Uh, most probably outside the the World Cup and maybe the uh, the Euros, it'd be one of the biggest things going around in football Champions yeah, League. Yeah, so massive. a lot of prestige, but uh, yeah, the big boys are up and running. Um, just quickly, I mean, we'll run through because there's a bit to cover in in the whole segment. Um, Man United have got off uh, to a three nil win against Basel. Uh, Benfica and CSK in Group A drew. Uh, sorry, CSK won away. Sorry, my apologies at Benfica. Big one in Scotland with Celtic at home. Yeah, at home, five uh, nil to PSG. But when you've got uh, Neymar and Kylian Mbappe um, 
what are you going to do? <laughs> well, exactly. And there was an incident in that. Mm. And I know um, Edge was talking just off air then about an incident with a flare, but this was where a Celtic fan ran on and tried to kick Mbappe. So not a good mm. look. They'll come down very, very heavy on that, and mm. rightly so. Bayern Munich back to normal proceeding for 3-0 against Anderlecht. Chelsea romped in 6-0 against a team I can't even pronounce. FK Carabag. Carabag, yeah. And uh, I think they'll be taking the bag home because I won't be getting much out of this tie, (laughs) I think. Um, Atletico Roma, 0-0. So that was a good result for Chelsea because that's two teams, obviously, they're going to be fine for those two top spots. Uh, Barcelona. This result. This is the... I mean, this has happened now before to Juventus. I mean, Barcelona... Juventus 3-0 I mean they were superb last year Juventus mm. and um, is there a few cracks there is there mm. a few cracks well, to show? I mean it's a big fixture to start your Champions League campaign mm. I'm not nothing like getting uh, Barcelona at home to uh, kick it off but, but always good going there getting a the 0-0 draw absolutely. set up set it all up maybe mm. nick it 1-0 but I understand if you read the uh, the reports and I, look I saw the highlights didn't see the game but um, read the reports Juventus were garbage and it could have been a lot more so, so, yeah. Mm. so yeah. and by the way FK Karabag for those who are interested is uh, <laughs> a team that plays in the Azerbaijan Premier League uh, so uh, yes, well there's obviously a little bit of work to do there uh, job for you Dino yep yeah, there is a, <laughs> I don't think so uh, Liverpool Seville um, 2-2 uh, they'll be disappointed with that especially at Anfield um, uh, Manchester City I listened to final. a fair bit of the post-match on that yeah, by the I, way and, and Jurgen Klopp was getting a kicking from uh, yeah, the I fans think, yeah so, I heard that as well uh, Feyenoord and Manchester City City off to a good start 4-0 away you missed the Spartak Moscow game well I did and the only reason I raised that is that if uh, social media watchers get, on, get yeah. on and have a look uh, mm. Some lunatic has little flair that has gone like he's pointed it at the referee. Missed the referee by about uh, half a metre yeah. in the middle of the ground, but it went head height like a missile. Ridiculous. So you reckon uh, you reckon um, the Celtic uh, well, pitch invasion gonna, was in trouble? Wow. Yeah, I think that look they've got to come down hard on this, otherwise it will never stop. You know, uh, Shakhtar Donetsk uh, beat Napoli, which I thought was a great result for them. Um, Porto... Uh, and, bet- and by the way, just to rewind, uh, and to give the, the Russian fans uh, uh, a little bit of uh, credit, yeah, it they wasn't... Booed. It, 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 they booed, and the, and the match was played against NK Maribor in Slovenia. So, yeah, that's uh, right. yeah. yeah, it wasn't in Russia. No, fair enough. Um, Leipzig and Monaco 1-1 uh, in the tough group with um, FC Porto and uh, Besiktas and uh, Besiktas, Besiktas. Uh, 3-1 away which is a fabulous uh, result for them absolutely Turkish then, football doing well yeah and then Group H brings it, brings it all home uh, Real Madrid um, won 3-0 against uh, what? how do we pronounce that is it Apolle Nikos uh, the uh, of course the uh, Apoel, Apoel. The, uh, the Israeli team, and then uh, Tottenham. Uh, the hoodoo's over. Harry Kane scoring at mm, Wembley. Uh, Dorman, good win that, because um, yeah. they're not a bad little side. So uh, look, most of the most of the form's gone to form. Yeah. Um, only just a couple of little surprises, and most probably Juventus would be the one that sticks out most probably more than anyone losing three nil. Um, won't go through the league tables because really it's it's irrelevant. It's game one, so I think after a couple of games, then we'll have a, a little bit of a picture. Uh, we've obviously got the Premier League coming up again this weekend, uh, but just touching on a couple of little highlights from last weekend: Manchester City's five-nil win against Liverpool. Um, little bit of controversy in this game with regards to the sending off. Um, 
I mean, we've <laughs> we've seen I've seen it from a few angles, but if you look at the damage to the goalkeeper, and uh, you've got to say it's got to be a red. The foot's in a, an unusual position, but Mane, I think, in his defence, is looking at the ball. You know, he's he's looking at the ball. He gave the referee no choice. No, he didn't. And, and, and look, I think you've just got to agree with it that you know there was danger there, and, uh, and it was the thumping uh, though. Oh, it was a thumping, but again, when you're down to Ten men. Um, they scored five, didn't they? They did. They did. And well, we'll see. You know, it's it's football. Uh, Arsenal three 0 against Bournemouth. Um, Brighton won their first game, so um, they're up and running mm. and quite convincingly against West Brom. Uh, Spurs looking really, really good. Not mm. only just in the Champions League as we just touched on, mm-hmm. but three 0 away at Everton. Really, it's a big result. Yeah, it's a yeah. big result. And mm. uh, got to hand it to Maurizio Pochettino. He's a he's a, a manager that'll be around for a long, long time. Oh, we will. Hand, he handles the pressure uh, extremely and, well. And uh, I think his currency is really, really good. Mm. And uh, and I think Tottenham will do well to keep hold of him because I think mm. some of the big clubs as as this success. If he wins something major, mm. then uh, just have a watch. Then what happens next? Mm-hmm. Um, Watford. In the top four, Watford. Yeah. And the boys Silver. Well, they had a great season last season too, didn't they? Well, they did, didn't, mm. but they changed the coach. Mm. And they brought in the boys Silver, who was at Hull. And um, he's done a good job. Mm. And the, the top four, and I'll be previewing the game in a minute. Uh, but Stoke, Man United. Um, bit of a handshake uh, gate there. <laughs> Apparently, uh, uh, Jose popped into uh, mm. Mark Hughes's uh, technical area, told mm-hmm. exactly where he needed to go, and it was <laughs> to the other technical area. And then uh, <laughs> Mark Hughes doesn't strike me as the sort of bloke that um, no. would take to that sort of thing. <laughs> Sparky uh, is brought up only about five miles where I was born, and he doesn't take any prisoners. Let Can me you give tell us you. a little preview? How would he have dealt with Jose as he wandered over? Uh, well, Jose was going over to complain about something, but he basically told him in no certain terms and just gave him the "that's where you need to be over there." And um, but Mark Hughes did say, "Nigel, has he got the bit ready?" In his in his presser, though, what was interesting was he said, uh, um, "He said I do seem to get in trouble a lot in my technical area. Maybe it's me, and uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised with Sparky. He does uh, he does like to get a bit controversial. I think the one game." I'll just touch on that Newcastle won, and and they're mm. now halfway through, you know, up halfway through the ta- into the table now, mm. and um, the manager wasn't there. Uh, I think he was having a little bit of an operation, so mm. there was a phone in to his assistant. So that mm. was all previewed in pre-game. But the one concerning game I want to just touch on is Burnley against Crystal Palace, mm. and and this brings me to the point of you know the managers and the due diligence that these chairmen do. You look at Frank de Boer won four Arrivederzi in a row, wasn't it? Four. So he's won four championships in a toughest league. You know, it's not the toughest league in the world, but it's still, you win four championships in any league. There's a bit of quality there. Then he has a little bit of a, a moment at Inter. doesn't last very long. And then if you look at all the reports, he's really lasted. And, and Chris Sutton, ex-footballer, Nottingham lad, and tells it the way it is, said he's already gone and they've already made the decision. And it's just poor form to employ these people unless you really know what you're dealing with. And I know you can't get everything right, but surely three games into mm. a campaign yeah. where there's 38 games and he's already gone. And it mm. really, really... I mean, and then we've got Roy coming in. Now... Mm. The I don't. I don't know mm. if you've. I don't know if you've noticed, but have you actually ever seen Roy Hodgson's record at Premier League level? Yeah, oh, look, we we know it, it's it's his, his his worst record is clearly at the international level. Roy Hodgson. Well, no, got, no, no, he hasn't. No, a, he's actually lost more games than he's ever won. Not clearly. 
So it's not clear. Absolutely. That's my point. He's not, he's, I've got it here. He's 216 games, 75 wins, 54 draws and 87 losses. So 34% record. And I'm just going, well, what, what, why are you employing... I'm not, no disrespect to Roy, but why are you employing Roy in there? And I just... I, look... I get a bit frustrated as having been a manager, but surely in this day and age with the money around that they've got, and maybe that's the problem, the money they've got, they're just throwing it out there. Mm. It's got to be right. And the one person you've got to look at is the boy Parrish. Mm. I mean, he's six managers in something like four and a half years. I and mean, Sam Allardyce, uh, obviously, um, I mean, he said he wasn't going back under any circumstances. And uh, I think that's uh, interesting because... Well, obviously, you read between the I'm reading between the lines yeah. there that Sam might And I'll tell you where it's at. It's just purely at the, the chairman's got he's far... He's the chairman of Plonker. And, well, he's got far too much to say in first-team affairs, and you can't have that from the chairman. Mm-hmm. So, anyway. Um, anyway, this just... This week's games. This week's games, thanks. Sorry, which one? The games. Oh, yeah, for... Uh, Previewing. <laughs> well, I had, he had me flustered there because I was I was on a roll and it was. Oh, a, I was using one of your words, plonker. I didn't. I'm surprised you didn't pick that up. Well, that's right. Uh, so to preview the major games, uh, I've gone uh, Bournemouth and Brighton, 19 and 14, purely because Bournemouth have got to get off the mark. Uh, so at home, it's going to be really vital for them. The Palace one will keep an eye on with Southampton visiting. Newcastle 10th against Stoke 12. And the reason I say that is a big three points. Whoever gets those three points can push right up to the pointier end of the of the Premier League. And then really, game of the week, and uh, it's great to see, it's Watford against Manchester City, 4v2. So um, I think that will be quite exciting. And then just to round it off, on the Sunday, which will be Monday morning, our time, it's the London derby, Chelsea-Arsenal. So that will always have fireworks. Um, I'm not sure. I know Jose always had a bit of a problem with Arson, but I'm not sure about Conte. I don't know how their relationship is, but we'll watch yeah. that with uh, with a bit of interest. And yeah. also, uh, later on, a Manchester United and Everton. That's a game that I'm looking forward to seeing, obviously because of Wayne Rooney. Yeah, look, the return. Yeah, that should be good. Um, but, you know, look, United have been, for me, in good form. So I think and Everton are having a bit of a slippy run. Now. So for me, I think Man United mm. will be expecting to get the three points there. OK, and briefly, the Championship, dinner. We can't let you get away Of course, that. of course. Uh, our favourite league now with... Um, in fact, my paperwork is all over the place here because it got me flustered when I was <laughs> when I was in there. But look, I've, with the Championship, uh, good news for all Leeds fans... Back top to of the table, being right? back top of the table for the first time in many, many, many moons. So good news for for all Leeds fans. Uh, we'll preview. In fact, they won the not two good, games. No, not good news for Birmingham City fans. Well, Birmingham are struggling. Um, so look, what we got just so you know, Leeds are top, but Cardiff had a slippery week. Um, only I think picking up one point, so they'll they'll think they'll feel they've missed out there. Sheffield United, Wolves, mm. Preston, North End, and Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, fill in the top six. So, looking at the preview of the games, um, Cardiff second against Sheffield Wednesday sixth. Um, interesting in this, this is a worry. Um, Hull City 16th against Sunderland 20th. And they're like the two relegated teams. So, mm. they are in a bit of a free fall. Mm-hmm. Um, Millwall, our boys Millwall, play Leeds, the league leaders. And um, that will be one for the fans. So, I think the police will be very much in attendance in what that about one. Ian Holloway's comments during the week, Dino, that he said Massimo Luongo was the best midfielder in the championship. Um, I, I can't say anything other than... 
I mean, we know he's got talent. We're not watching him I know every you week. Rate Ian Holloway. So I do. Well, no, I think he's one of the better managers that uh, tells it the way it is, and he's been around a long time. I mean, there might be a little bit of there where he's just giving him a boost and saying, "I back you in as the best one in in that midfield." Is he? I don't know. I don't watch him every week, but if, if Ian Holloway says he is, then I'm going to back him in. And then the last one is Nottingham Forest, who are eighth against Wolverhampton Wanderers, who are fourth. And, and uh, two brief items. Um, Harry Kuehl starting to turn it around at Crawley Town. Yes, um, we were just looking at the league table there. Um, Harry is going to do it. He's got a bit of a way to go. Oh, yeah. but Better he's, than the but, three and zip start. Yeah, it was. And he was under enormous pressure there, to be fair to Harry. But uh, they're now on um, two wins, one draw and four losses. Seven points. Um, a win depending on how results go, could push him to about halfway through the table. So I think it's uh, an important uh, weekend this weekend to maybe get a result. And if they do, well, then um, now who are Crawley playing? Let's just have a quick look. And they are at home to my old boys, Notts County, who are second mm-hmm. in the table. Mm-hmm. So uh, pressure's on Harry. You've got to beat Notts County. Otherwise, Notts County might just go top. <laughs> and finally, um, mate, you did have a, an item here uh, on Graham Taylor. Uh, before he passed away, he warned of abuse at Aston Villa in the ongoing uh, well, we, uh, sex abuse uh, saga. We always promised that we'd, you know, these are the the harder stories to talk about, and we'd always keep you updated as things developed. And I, I still think it's uh, in its early stages in here. There's a far more that what we don't know than what we do know. Uh, but yeah, Graham Taylor, when he got the Aston Villa job, was warned. And it went right to the very top to the mm. chairman, uh, Deadly Doug, uh, don't, and that is his nickname, Deadly Doug Ellis. Um, mm. Very sad, but again, we'll, we'll keep you up there. There's a bit more inquiries going on this that people did know what was going on, and there was a bit of a trail where one particular individual was going from one club to another. So mm. again, mm. we'll we'll keep you posted in the next uh, couple of weeks. But mm. again, just to touch on it, that uh, we haven't left that story alone, and we won't because mm. it's uh, it's vitally important uh, moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we'll uh, we'll spend a bit more time on that over the next couple of weeks, Dino. Thank you, my friend. Uh, after the break, Marco returns. We're stoppage time. That's on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? For Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. This is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport. The fourth officials signals there are eight minutes left in stoppage time. Now, Mark, are you tired of being distracted and want to focus more? Absolutely. Well, then why don't you try Florida? Have, have you not listened to the show? Yeah, that's why I'm asking you. <laughs> uh, why don't you try Flautus Keen Mind, which is new to Chemist Warehouse? Flautus Keen Mind may assist you, Mark, in supporting your memory and concentration, and it might help you stay mentally sharp. Clinical trials have shown that the extract of Bacopa Monieri, used in Flautus Keen Mind, may help mental clarity, working memory, and maintain healthy cognitive function. Looking after your memory is a no-brainer with Flautus Keen Mind. Right now, Flautus Keen Mind is just twenty four ninety nine at Chemist Warehouse. Mark, always read the label, as I know you always do. I do. Use only as directed, which you do. I do. And if symptoms persist, consult your healthcare care. I feel like I'm at my wedding. <laughs> I do. Chemist Warehouse, lowest prices, guaranteed. Good stuff. Now, boys, several hundred friends, a bit of a downer, but in, in a good way, uh, several hundred friends, family, professional football players, administrators and football lovers in general gathered at the Sydney Cricket Ground yesterday to express some of their thoughts and memories towards the great Mike Cockrell, um, football personalities from Football Federation Australia's CEO, David Gallup, and Chairman Stephen Lowy gathered along with Mourners Sporting 
their team's jersey. And that's what I love. So so it was my get cut to the chase. Mm. Mike Crockett's funeral funeral yesterday. Yeah, yeah. And people turned up, including his brother mm-hmm. uh, Ian, yeah. uh, in their football jerseys. Yeah. And uh, Andy Harper was up there. He gave his eulogy mm-hmm. in his football jersey, and that was a very nice touch. I think. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying, it, trying to get the words. Yeah, but, no, uh, yeah. it was. And uh, look, Mike. Uh, was he was a great bloke, but he was a great football man as well. He um, he was a, a beacon of honesty in this country, mm. um, where uh, it's such as we've discussed over you know the time on this show, such a small world football in this country that that opinions uh, and and rivalries and and uh, uh, and you know vested interests are constantly uh, you know sort of being you know fought over. But Mike would always cut to the chase. He'd say it exactly as he saw it. If Correct. he needed to have a crack at someone, he'd have a crack and. And, and he set uh, you know an agenda in some of the darker days of football in this country. So I think he's entitled to, to claim some of the legacy of where this football, in fact, a strong piece of the legacy of the, where football is in this country. Dino, you know, as a, as a football man yeah. of international sort of status, um, your thoughts? Yeah, look, I, I read an article that I'm, I'm not sure when it was written. It was a little while ago, but he talks about the development of our game and mm. with all the thoughts about where the A-League is at right today from back to the days of the National League mm. uh, to this potential B-League and this, you know, bridging the gap between the MPL to the A-League. And if you read it and you read it in real detail, there's a, there's an uncanny knack of he's already seen this vision mm. well ahead of his time. He, mm. He's been in the game a long time. Uh, he's had a, a really big influence, n- not only on the game itself, with a lot of people within the game. You know, the relationship he's got with Cozzy uh, mm. and, uh, and how close they are. And I just think, you know, it's very sad when we lose people like him and Les. Uh, that have done so much for the game and you most probably appreciate them more when they're gone than when they're actually with you. I'll just you. read this little piece which is an indicator of the man written by Tom Cunningham from uh, Ireland who was, who was Michael's uh, history teacher in year 11. There's a photo, a great photo on uh, the legacy.com obituaries. It says, the photo of Michael looks like one that was taken in July 1977, a long blonde-haired young guy when he was playing for the Yapoon Eagles, uh, so that's in Queensland and he was the player manager. I always remember that I had to go home to Ireland and he asked me in his year 11 history class in Yapoon High School if he could write the report of the match that weekend for the Capricorn News as he wanted to be a soccer reporter after he finished high school. The local editor asked me when I returned if I had written the report as he noted a, st- a different style. I told him in school <laughs> if that was the way he wanted to go then he should check out Hugh McIlvaney of The Observer when I met Michael in 2006. He told me that he did meet Hugh at a World Cup. We met up a few times since and I always enjoyed his company and he still had that passion for the Eagles an Australian stocker. Goodbye, Michael, from your mate Tom Cunningham. Nice words. No, absolutely. No, I've got to say, um, didn't always agree with what Mike wrote or thought, but uh, he was a big influence on me getting into uh, yeah, on and off media for the last 20 years and uh, football media in particular. So, um, no, and the fact he's gone at 56 is just yeah, way too young. mind-blowing. Not only that, guys, um, there's different people... Um, deal with uh, cancer in different ways mm-hmm. and uh, I, I learned during the week that Mike actually had been sick for about seven, seven years yeah which which you know nobody knew I mean a lot of obviously his close uh, friends and family knew but nobody knew in the wider sort of football mm. community that's so, amazing isn't it Mike because so many so people you know yeah, they get a cold and they want the world that's it? right so um, <laughs> that says a lot about the man too and um, uh, he'll be missed and uh, you know I didn't know him very well but the mm. times that I had um, been able to spend time with him is engaging thoughtful respectful mm. Mm. Uh, really interested 
interested in in uh, you know what what I was doing and and the reasons why. And uh, I got I, I I feel desperately sad and uh, it's 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 really sad. He's way too young and his family's yeah. lost lost uh, someone who's a great person. And and in football we've lost a, a really important voice. And I bumped into Sebastian Hassett uh, in Tokyo. And we had a long talk about it, and uh, Mike's influence on Sebastian's career sure. was been yeah. incredible. And uh, you know, Seb yeah. was telling me some of the some of the experiences, and it is uh, yeah, it's just desperate, desperately sad. And you know, I haven't uh, got anything other to say than uh, I'm just terribly sorry for everybody who's friends with him. But if you uh, passed and you were spoken of in the glowing terms that Mike is being spoken of, you would know you'd lived you, a good life. Yeah, correct, Dana. I think that's what you want as well, isn't it? In, in in any walk of life, irrespective of our sport or any sport, just in life general, of what you've done for people. I mean, there's always that little bit of inner self where you, it's about you and, mm. and, and you have to make sure that you look after yourself, otherwise you can't look after people around you. But, um, yeah, look, it's sad. I mean, especially with Canton, I've got three really close people to me and, and, and all of them are dealing with it the same way most probably might did with a bit of privacy you know I'm there ringing them up touching base but it, it's very very tough and you know there's a lot of people out there that have gone through this and um, you know it's one of these diseases we need to try and fix. Yeah so uh, we encourage while we're talking about this subject uh, you know on this uh, special Michael Cockrell tribute edition of Stoppage Time <laughs> to uh, you know to go out and get yourself checked if whatever it is you know if, you, if you've hit 50 you'll get a letter in the mail from the federal government to uh, bowel cancer, bowel cancer mm-hmm. and I've recently done that um, you know, there's prostate checks, and of course, uh, you know, for the ladies, uh, how they go for you, checks. Look, uh, it all went well, mate. I'm pleased to report. Um, <laughs> it news. was, uh, yeah, it's an interesting uh, situation, but, uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, it uh, is all good. All right, boys. Hey, Valet Michael Cockrell. I hope he's laughing uh, from the sky, be. and yeah. uh, we've got a few yeah. uh, great segments with Michael on the, on the podcast over the, the year. So if you want to listen to Michael, uh, uh, then you can, uh, you know, jump on our website and have a bit of a listen to him on uh, on Box to Box amongst his great work that he uh, he has uh, uh, on many Fairfax websites in particular um, over the years. So that is full-time for Michael Cockrell, and that is full-time on Box to Box. Join us next week when we go from one end of the pitch to the other in the World Game.